0: Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising is One podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rising is One podcast. We've got a full squad here. Aaron's back. Kyle's here. And we got Joseph Lowry here. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic.
2: It's good to be back. It's been a couple months since I've been on, so uh, sorry I've been absent for everybody,
3: but uh, I'm back with my bad takes. (laughs) Yeah, great to be here with everyone. We got Aaron back finally, and, you know, we got Joe back again too, so this should be a great episode.
4: Yeah, no, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Anytime, anytime. We wanted to bring Joe on because of his unique insights into all the signings Phoenix has made, including the uh, Steinbeckero movement, and whether he's going to be back on a one- or two-year deal. We might might probe that. And then his insights on the MLS situation, since he is much more in the know than all of us tinfoil hat men uh, pushing for Phoenix to be in Liga and <laughs> <laughs> um, So should we just jump right into the signings that Phoenix has made these past two weeks? Yeah, let's, let's hop to it. I dig it. Okay. So when we left you guys, we had just signed um, Ousu ansa contour uh, to be a probable starting right back for us. Since then, we added Jack Barnby, most recently with San Antonio FC, uh pretty dynamic midfielder. He knows how to score. He scored eight goals, and he notched three assists for them last season. He's had a, a few other USL stops. He's played for Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, at one point, he was with Portland Timbers. Joseph, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this signing?
4: Yeah, Barnby's a really interesting one. I think when he was first signed, at least I was a little bit confused or wondering where exactly he would play um, because he has that talent to be able to play multiple positions on the left side. And then I sort of realized that that's exactly what Phoenix Rising want out of their signings, right? When you look at a guy like Jack Barnby who can play on the wing or in a more central area, both of which I believe he did last year for San Antonio, um, that's exactly what Rick want that's exactly the sort of versatility and skill to be able to dominate on that left wing and that left side, like that that left sort of half space just to the left side of the, the central channel of the field. Having a guy like Barnby who can be on that space and rotate, get behind the line or drop a little bit deeper and allow some other rotations to take place, those are all things that Rick Shantz is going to be excited about. So Barnby, as far as a little scouting report, I've seen more of him than I have of some of these other signings that we'll talk about. But he's got a good, really, really, really good left foot um, doesn't like to use his right foot very much, but he does like to use his left foot to to shoot. Uh, he's comfortable shooting. Uh, he likes to as well, you know, find players as well between the lines. So he's a well-rounded offensive player. Defensively, I, I'm not as high on his game. I think he's prone to be beaten by, by opposing players who are dribbling at him. Uh, not necessarily the fastest guy, but in, in this counter-pressing system that Phoenix Rising use, he could still be an asset to the team uh, simply by just being a body in midfield and, and being a willing presser, even if he's not necessarily the best at it.
1: Aaron, Kyle, what do you guys have to add? You know, I
2: always find it really interesting whenever we have folks who make it over from England uh, into the U.S. Uh, so here's a guy who starts his professional career in 2013 uh, playing in League Two, uh, makes it up to the English Championship the following year, falls back to League Two, and then goes from League Two to Portland, into the MLS system. Uh, played 19, uh, 19 games there uh, before trading back and forth between Timbers Two and Portland. Portland, obviously a great system to be coming out of. Uh, I think that he's going to have the maturity and the experience to really be able to pick up a leadership role on this team as well. Uh, so, you know, for a 25-year-old guy to be coming in here uh, uh, out of England and to be able to see a really good system in Portland uh, that, that had a lot of success over the past couple of years, I think
1: there's nothing but a plus here. And yeah. one interesting note there – oh, go for it, Kyle.
3: I, I was just going to say I see him as, you know, being a very versatile player for us. He'll provide, you know, depths that we'll desperately need throughout, you know, this next season. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing that stuck out to me that Rishon was talking about was, you know, his ability on corner kicks and pre-kicks with the left foot. I think, you know, that's something that uh, we'll see, and it'll just add another dynamic to our set pieces.
2: Really sort of remind, reminds me of a guy kind of like J.J. Uh, career-wise. You know, he's sort of in the middle of his career. Um, he's likely maxed out as far as getting, good, you know, really good solid looks at a, at a uh, Division One team. Uh, So he's got something to prove at this level, I I believe, Um, and hopefully is going to be coming in here with a little chip on his shoulder.
1: Yeah, I think we can all hope that that happens. Interesting note, he actually signed with Man United back in 2013, and when he was in League Two in the English Championship, those were loan spills. Um, So he does uh, have that pedigree, He's practiced with some great players, I'm sure, and uh, I'm sure some of our men U supporters will be happy to see that. Um, another big guy that came in. This was one that was on everyone's mind. Would we sign Becaro? Well, after he went through the MLS Super Draft or the redraft and did not get picked up, uh, he was a free agent. Toronto didn't uh, retain his rights, and so he went through that redraft, did not get claimed, and then we pick him up. John Baccaro is back. And Joe, do you know a little bit more about what happened behind the scenes with this?
4: I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot of details on this. I know that I do things. I know that Phoenix Rising were always, obviously, this makes sense, right? Always bring Baccaro in on a permanent basis. So I don't have his details uh, on his contract yet. I. I know in the past that Phoenix Rising have signed players to two-year deals, which, from what I understand, is not especially common in UFL. Um, whether this is a two-year deal or a one-year deal or, or one-plus-one with a team option, I don't know. I'm going to try to do some digging on that, both with Bakero and some of the other new signings um, over the next couple of weeks after the holidays. But either way, hey guys, hold on for just a second. The situation is is obviously a plus that you bring a guy like Bakero back into this midfield.
1: Well, I think what Joe is saying is just that Baccaro is one of these crucial guys, one of these crucial heart and soul guys to the team. And we were in a frustrating situation because we didn't know what was going to happen. Toronto still retained his MLS rights at the end of the regular season. And so we were waiting on that. We were waiting on what would happen with the MLS redraft. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about about how – I mean, obviously, I love the guy. um, He is a huge piece. From a personality standpoint a a a teammate standpoint, I love what he brings to the
2: field. Um, You know, it it just gets to be how stacked our sort of midfield is. And we had a conversation last year uh, uh, when when we had, like, this crazy number of midfielders. And, like, how much is everybody going to play and who's going to play and and how is it going to happen? Um I think uh you know it 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 feels to me like his production decreased a little bit as the as the season went on as as everybody it seems like everybody's did a little bit um but you know I I love the fact that the fans were so vocal about bringing him back and that it actually
3: happened Absolutely yeah I mean it's it's one of those things that you know the grassroots movement from the fan – and, um, I mean, for Baccaro, I mean, you know that he's been feeling the love, and he, he was probably itching just to drop the news that he was resigning with us. And, yeah, I mean, the midfield is going to be insane. Um, Rick Johnson, the rest of the technical staff, will have, you know, you know, quite the task ahead of them getting everyone onto the field. But, uh, I mean, really with the depth that we're building, you have to say this is going to be one of the strongest lineups in the whole league. No doubt about it. I
1: mean – we already have 17 players signed now, and we aren't even at Christmas. It seems like this timeline gets earlier and earlier every season with guys being retained and with building a roster, but, I mean, 17 guys and we're not even at Christmas. How many teams in USL can say that? Big New Mexico, maybe? Um, Joe, are there any others that come to mind that have that many guys?
4: I'm going to be honest. You guys, I think, focus more on the rest of the league than I do. Uh, I know in the past, that this has been somewhat unusual, right? For Phoenix's own pace, how the rest of the league compares, I don't know. But the one thing you can't argue with, like you guys have already said, is with the quality of the players that are here. So from my perspective, it's less about – We've got a lot of numbers in early, and that allows us to get set before the season starts. That's important, right? They'll they'll bring in guys. And you got to feel bad sets, for, like, legit U.S. Players, players, all freaks like, 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 uh, like Ram and Cole, and Cole and
2: like Harry over in San, San Antonio, where I think that they may have,
4: like, two players announced.
2: I don't even know if they have two players that are announced at this point. And, every you know, these these folks on these other teams are really just begging for it. Where uh, we get to have Sam Door basically teasing us with, "Hey, maybe we'll do an announcement on Christmas morning for you," uh, and I, last year around this time, we were starting to get some of the news of who was coming out, coming back, and whatnot. But it's always so nerve wracking because you want your guy to come back, right? And when we had to wait for that the past couple of years it really, like, hurt. <laughs> like, I had this this feeling of pain uh, just sort of waiting. And here, instead of pain, I get anticipation and excitement.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice to have so many guys already in. And one of those guys we haven't talked about yet is a key defensive signing. Just announced this past week, Darnell King coming from Nashville, um, not making the leap up to MLS with them. But – he played 21 matches last year. Um, he played especially often down the stretch for them. I think he started 13 of their last 15 matches. Um, so he was a key player down the stretch for Nashville, who was a solid playoff side that made the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, you have to imagine that this is going to be a good replacement signing for um, Mustafa Dumboya, and he's going to be starting at least half the matches on that right back. And what that means... Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. I don't know. Me, Kyle, what are you thinking? It feels like Rick Shantz is going to be super comfortable playing uh, Corey Whelan either at center back or at right back.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I really do see, you know, like we talked about, um, Whelan's going to get rotation amongst, you know, the center backs and the outside back positions. And really, I think, you know, Rick Shantz is going to be comfortable, you know, not only having Whelan. Now we have Darnell King. We have Jornathan. We have... Uh, led better I mean there's there's so much you know option for him to, to mix and match and to switch these guys out I'm really going to look in preseason and the you know week in and week out how he how he switches how he pairs these guys together um but ultimately I think it's, it's you know it's going to depend on the opponent but what I've seen from Darnell King I mean he's a guy that he almost he plays with such calmness in the way that he goes into his tackles and just wins them so cleanly he's I mean he seems like he's just going to be a beast on the field. And I really look forward to him. He doesn't, to me, doesn't look like he's as fast as Dimbuya, but I still think, you know, he has this this side of his game that there's going to be very few cracks.
4: Yeah. And I'm going to hop in there based off of what Kyle just said. I think you're spot on there about his speed. Um, definitely still an athletic, strong, fast guy, but especially compared to Dimbuya, not the same blazing speed down that right wing as we've seen in the past. Um, So I think that means a couple of things. First, I think it means that he may be a little bit more defensively solid right from the gate. Uh, Dumbuya got there last season, but I think it took him, you know, a month or two to sort of settle in and figure out how to balance defending and attacking together from that right-back spot. So a little more defensive solidity probably from King. Also, a few fewer combinations with Asante maybe on that right wing. Last season, that was kind of the the bread and butter of the right wing was Asante and Dumbuya combining – along the right side of the box, kind of right down in the final third area. So I'm not sure we'll see as much of that this season. But I do think that we will see King get forward into the attack. He's good on the ball, comfortable carrying the ball forward into space, and, and has good vision as well, especially with his right foot. But he can hit a pass with his left foot as well. So definitely a well-rounded right back that I think personally, I know you guys said Whelan could rotate out to the right back, and that's very true. But I think with a solid guy like King and then Ledbetter as well, it's more likely that we see Wheelan anchor the central defense um, for most, for, for a vast percentage of these games. But absolutely, you guys are totally right. Whelan could rotate out to right back to cover if needed.
1: And I was really saying that because King played a little bit more than half the matches for Nashville last year. He doesn't seem like he's going to be an everyday starter, but he does seem like he's going to be a solid rotation player, probably getting the majority of the
4: starts. Yeah, that seems fair. I, I would personally, without having talked to anybody about this and only seen – I've seen a decent amount of film, but not a ton. I would say that, that King and and Ledbetter are kind of going to battle out to be that guy. Um, I don't think it's that either one of them is incapable of playing most of the matches in the season, even though neither one of them has done it before. Um, I think either one of those guys could lock down that spot. But, again, yeah, Dom, you're right. We'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see in preseason what, what – you know, which guy jumps out on top, and if one of them can lock down that permanent starting spot.
1: Is it fair to say that it's more of a competition than Owusu-Ansa-Contour versus Bjornsen on the left-back spot?
4: Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think Contour maybe brings some more unique qualities that could provide some additional value in the attack, he's got the long throw. He's really athletic. I think um, maybe one of the stronger, more athletic guys on the team. Um, so maybe, maybe Contour has that lockdown down a little bit more compared to Bjornathan. But I mean, Rick Johnson would be the first to tell you because, of course, he would. That that these guys are all in a competition and it's all about you know the depth and all that, which is which is totally true. Um, but I, I really don't know the answer to that question. I think maybe maybe you're right there, Dom. But it's it's got to be close, right?
1: Go ahead, Kyle. That's what we're all thinking. Aaron, Kyle, any thoughts on um, on the three signings, with two new guys, and then bringing back the Caro before we move to the visit Tucson Sun Cup?
3: No, nope. two, two players, you know, in in Contour and King that you know maybe we didn't you know have the most uh, most data on and we haven't seen the most film of, but you know both of them I'm very high on. They both, you know, are definitely more defensive-minded than attacking-minded. So it's going to be a big change, you know, in the outside backs positions. I think we'll see guys that will stay back. Yeah, and not get from, from my back perspective, back. is I, that I there's that out, you know, a big piece
2: that Shotts really loves to have, and he loves and to have, and have competition and guys and pushing guys each guys other. There, so um, and do you have style new guys coming in in Contour and in have Contour and King versus guys who have been there in Bjornson and Ledbetter. Uh, I think it's just, just going to make that back line even better.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to make for a fun preseason, too. I mean, preseason is always fun to watch, but especially with some of the new guys coming in and some of the battles for starting spots, especially in those, uh, those left-back and right-back positions and then in the midfield, those are going to be good battles to watch during preseason. And I think that's a solid segue. Yeah, I had the pleasure of going down there last year
2: uh, while Eli was in a soccer tournament and uh, was able to make it over uh, there. there. It's Uh, a pretty cool place, man. You know, it's so reminiscent. If you grew up in the Valley and you knew spring training baseball and all of the intimacy that a spring training game provides uh, and a little bit more of, like, the lack of formality or the casualness, I guess, of it, Uh, it was very, very cool. Uh, In our case, we were able to uh, get to see some of the Tucson players as well who were there checking out Phoenix Rising, so I got to to speak with several of the FC Tucson players and, uh, you know, just kind of sit with them and watch the game a little bit and do a little bit of cheering, and uh, it's a great experience if you have a chance to head on down there. Highly recommended, very, very highly recommended.
1: And, Kyle, did you see the teams that will be down there?
3: Yes. Yes, I did, actually. And, you know, the one team I will say I think we're all disappointed isn't on that list is LAFC, but they seem to kind of do their own thing for preseason. But, I mean, there's still going to be some great teams. A few familiar faces. Um, We're going to see Sporting KC again. Real Salt Lake return. I don't think that was ever in doubt. Uh, Houston Dynamo, I don't recall. Actually, I think we did play them last year in preseason. Houston Dynamo. That That might have been two years ago. It might have been two years ago. And then I don't recall this team being in the Sun Cup in the past, but Columbus Crew. We'll, we'll
2: so what I'm looking at is Columbus Crew was back here in 2016, um, but one thing that we're really lacking the big the big missing team this year is the Portland Timbers. Uh, not announced the the Timbers Army folks that uh, does I think they call them the Desert Army or something like that. Yeah, uh, they're real disappointed not to see uh, Portland coming out. Uh, but of course Joe Joe knows MLS better than I think all three of us combined. Uh, so who are you most excited to see, Joe?
4: I'm excited to see a number of these teams selfishly. Right? I think RSL is a fun one for me because uh, they've got a new coach in Freddy Juarez who you know, used to be a part of RSL's youth setup down here in Casa Grande. So he's got some ties here. And then Houston Dynamo as well with Tab Ramos coming over from the USU-20s to coach that team. But from a Phoenix Rising perspective, uh, the team that I'm most happy to see back is the Red Bulls. Um, the Red Bulls came down last year, and they, they smacked Phoenix. Uh, they scored five goals and held Phoenix to, I think, one or two. Um, and that having a game with that amount of intensity, with the high-pressing, really, really, really hyper-aggressive style that the Red Bulls play, um, it's a great test for Phoenix, and the odds are, honestly, that they're going to get smacked again. I will so say, going, going, going down there and watching them, and, and I watched a couple of
2: those um, games that were broadcast.
4: We looked really bad in first season
2: last year. So if you do happen to go and see that we're maybe not playing to what your expectations are, I guess don't put put a tunnel on it because we are yeah. trying things out still. But my goodness, we looked awful last year.
4: And that's such a great point, Aaron. I think just looking at preseason as a whole, the comparison between last season and what we can expect this season, obviously, yes, give grace. This is a time where the players, especially the new guys, are going to be learning. The coaching staff might implement a couple of new ideas. Um, But, yeah, that's a great point as far as keeping expectations in the right place because we saw what happened last season. We saw how poor the preseason was, how poor the start of the season was, and then you blink and they're on a 20-game one streak and deep in the playoffs. So things change quickly, definitely a good reminder to give some grace at the start of the season.
1: However, you see some things that are relevant in the preseason, like that game-winning goal against Portland Timbers last year where Adam John just had the first of many bangers. And uh, I want to say Junior Funnings was part of that build-up too. So, uh, you know, definitely pay attention because there are some trends that you see that actually do manifest in the regular season. Um, and there's some amazing preseason matches too. I mean, we talk about Red Bull. That brought my mind back to the 2018 preseason when we had them on the ropes 2-1 in the soccer complex and that they had those two goals right at the desk. But, um Always a fun time to see these MLS teams, and I think one team that that was mentioned in the press release but will not be down in Tucson.
2: Well, we were able to see uh, a couple other teams that did come in. So while they weren't full uh, Sun, Sun Cup participants, press release. But we did see uh, we saw New Mexico that came out. Uh, there was a match between uh, Sporting KC and Sporting Arizona. Um, in, in uh in the preseason as well. So there can be a couple other things that happen. And we could see El Paso locomotive make a couple hour drive down to Tucson in order to catch the match. So uh there are more things to see than just what's part of the official competition.
3: That's yeah, that's a really good point. And you know, it, it wasn't announced that, you know, any of these matches will be in Phoenix as they've done in the past. So and I would expect at least one or two preseason matches to happen up here at the complex. So it, it, it is going to be very interesting to see, you know, how this shakes out. Um, knowing Sam Dora, you know, he, he's holding these, and he's going to drop them sometime probably after Christmas as some uh, some presents for us. I feel like the SC
1: Cincinnati is going to be one of those teams that ends up coming up to Phoenix because, you know, no information, no educated uh, stuff here, but, why would they be in the press release, but they're not a participant? All the other teams are listed as participants. And then it just says SC Cincinnati will also send, spend part of its preseason in Arizona. You know,
4: I think it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I think That's- just to, you know, build off of that, there are some of these teams, I know RSL is another one that will be uh, in Phoenix part of the preseason and in Tucson for part of the preseason. So What they'll be doing up here in Phoenix, if there'll be any matches or scrimmages with teams like RSL or Cincinnati outside of that February 15th to February 22nd window for this tournament down in Tucson. I don't know exactly what will be going on, but I know there will be at least one or two teams that are up here in Phoenix proper practicing and training for preseason.
1: So keep your eyes open for that. But yeah, please don't, those he, for those teams, yeah please don't Yeah, please don't remind me that because that preseason means um, the tax but it's season is coming.
2: And tax season,
1: well, and uh,
2: <clears> well, it's great from the, uh, the the money making standpoint. It, it's pretty nerve wracking.
1: <laughs> so that's the best as is the USL regular
2: you know, season though. I so I guess it all it all. Yeah, this is just a season of stress that starts in February for me and doesn't end until next November.
3: <laughs> a lot of late night
1: <laughs> And at this point I would turn to the MLS news but before we do that um well, I don't think we usually follow a lot of uh what other teams in the USL are doing over the off season but I feel like the signings Colorado Springs made this week are worthy of a shout-out. Pretty incredible stuff. They announced George LeBete from South Africa, uh, South African National. And then they signed uh, Hiroki Kuramoto later in the week, who played a lot for Fresno last year. I know that they were a stock team last season, but they brought in a, a high-profile new head coach. I forget the guy's name, but he was a USL mainstay. Oh, he was um, he
0: was uh, Alan Cox, Cincinnati, right?
1: Man. Alan Cox, yeah. yeah. Um, so they bring him in, and they're they look like they're going for the fences here. I know the new stadium doesn't open till next season, but they're starting to already um, really sign guys. It looks like they're really starting to go for it again, and that's a beautiful thing to see for Switchbacks fans. But also, if you've been following back in the um, back in the Days before we moved to Phoenix Rising, um, Colorado Springs used to be a powerhouse in the USL. They've had a couple off seasons, but it's kind of nice to see a team like that coming back up. It is,
3: and I, it's it's going to make this Four Corners region, you know, that much more competitive, if not the most competitive, you know, region in the USL. And and for me, um, you mentioned it, you know, they they really haven't been you know, that high-scoring or at least the high-in-the-table team that they were a couple years ago. I distinctly remember them being in, like, second place, but every time we've played Colorado Springs in the past few years, it's been a difficult match. Um, it, they, they are a Solid team and i think yeah, I find it really
2: uh
3: um, it's just going lead interesting when they do release how new
2: stadium and quickly the they seem to be advancing, advancing like and I think they have a lot of things Weiner going team. for them um, uh, first of all, you got the white north Stadium uh, announcement that shows that hey they're not going anywhere they're actually making a long term uh investment then they have some good signings that are coming in uh coming into play here um so we should hopefully not see them. Get the 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 uh, slots, uh, we should hopefully see them start to move up and become more competitive because of it. And their attitude, it's an attitude change that's necessary there. um, And they could end up being uh, uh, the most successful team in Colorado for sure.
1: (laughs) I think we caught that dig on the rapids. No, no, I got it. That was a good one. I have to say, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the quality of these signings that they're getting, too. I mean, this this Luke Ferreira guy was playing in Europe for a few years. They signed a guy, Mamadi Kamara. A lot of international guys. Um, He was – where was he He was playing in Canada. Um, He's from Canada. Yeah, so they just – They're getting a lot of guys from different spots, and I think part of that is the opportunity to play with Alan Koch, who does have that MLS experience, infamous as it was. Um, But they're definitely building something. And we could see all four corners teams end up at the top eight in the Western Conference next year. I would not be surprised.
3: I I would not be surprised either.
1: Joe, did any of those guys catch your eye?
4: I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about any of those players. So I'm basically only able to echo your guys' sentiments that it is good to see teams like Colorado seek to become a little bit more competitive, and that's only going to benefit the rest of the Western Conference.
1: All right. Well, we'll see exactly how it plays out on the pitch. Um, I'm a little surprised more if those Fresno FC players haven't been signed. I mean, now we have Kuramoto – and I want to say, I want to say Jamal Johnson found a home. I think he was OKC Energy. Yeah, you got a big signing up, up in uh, Sacramento that I think is is note at the, the very least. And maybe, um, and it's not a player. Still,
2: uh, no it's Mark Briggs. Briggs comes player. in uh, after being ousted from Any the uh, RSL
1: system, system and the Real
2: Monarchs. Uh, the that's news. As the result of some accusations or or intimations of domestic violence or whatnot. <clears throat> and uh, it looks like all those charges got dropped um, and, and getting signed with Sacramento Republic as their academy director and now has been boosted to the first team uh, head coach. So, uh, you know, kind of an interesting entree of a guy who has some baggage uh, but has also had some really serious success with, uh, with a top-level team in the Real Monarchs. Yeah, head coach and he and he won the uh regular season championship in two thousand uh, um, I'm sorry. He uh not nine, yeah, 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 yeah. We were right, was, Um Yeah, that's he was the uh so the, kind of he was the head kind of interesting before, sort of right? rehash but came out. he's a guy who has some talent on the coaching yeah. side. And now that Sacramento making their move uh to to MLS here, um I wonder what his future looks like.
3: I think it was.
1: Yeah, that's a great shout. That's going to be really interesting. Um, Dude that has success because they were even doing very well in 2018 when all the accusations came out and he lost his job. Um, Clearly Sacramento is confident in him and uh, confident in his abilities and confident in him off the field. So something to watch for sure club like Sacramento wouldn't make that signing unless they felt very strongly about his abilities. Um not as huge of a signing, but San Diego Loyal made a uh signing. They got Irvin Para, who was playing for Orange County and I think a little bit for Sounders too um uh, in past seasons. He's a capable player, not a superstar, but San Diego Loyal starting to uh make some news and
2: their fans are coming it out like swinging with the trash talking, teams which teams I appreciate.
1: guys. This is all just off the Reddit uh, USL championship page. And so I think the bigger point is you're seeing this trend of guys getting signed earlier and earlier in the off season. It's good for the game because these teams are just going to be ready to come out swinging week one. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: <laughs> it, it really does. It gives you, you know, that time to, to come up with some, you know, nice uh, nice hateful rhymes to say towards these uh, these other players. Um, the one finding, you know, it, it was in the Eastern Conference, and, it, you know, it was the Phoenix Rising player moving on, but I really was surprised to see Tampa Bay uh, pick up Mustafa Djambuya. Uh, you know, it, I was under the, you know, belief that he was going back to Sierra Leone and would be somewhere playing in Africa. But, you know, to have him back in the USL, um, that'll be great. I I really hope that, you know, he improves that uh, Tampa Bay Rowdy's defense and you know, I know that he'll be a huge impact player there.
1: And he's out of the conference, so we can't be too upset about it.
3: E- exactly. I mean
1: oh, in the oh.
3: championship final.
1: All right. Well with all that being said, um, I think that's I think that's what we got the one big piece of soccer news that came out this Tuesday, December 17th. Charlotte was officially announced as the 30th MLS city. Uh Don Garber said that <laughs> Uh Don Garber saying that they would begin play in the 2021 season. So they don't have a lot of time to get things rolling but they will be playing in the Bank of America stadium that the Carolina Panthers play in. Um, And he said that it was likely the last MLS team, which I think we can all agree is a load of crap. Uh, Definitely some eye rolls when he said that, but Joe, let's, let's get your take first. Does this matter? What is, what does it matter for Phoenix rising and how concerned should rising fans be?
4: So I think the most interesting part of this situation with Charlotte is not the fact that they were awarded the 30th expansion spot because dating back to uh, John Garber's State of the League address in Seattle uh, in November, he he all but said that Charlotte were going to be team number 30 and that Phoenix and Las Vegas were the other two active bids that were in competition for spots after 30 was awarded to Charlotte. And so I wasn't surprised to see Charlotte be awarded that 30th spot, and I don't think anybody else should have been. So... From that perspective, nothing has changed for Phoenix fans, and they shouldn't be panicking or, or rejoicing, whatever their stance is on, on entrance into MLS. It shouldn't really have affected anything, at least from the bids being accepted standpoint. Um, the big, most interesting part of this is Don Garber's comment about stopping hard capping at 30. Um, that's something that you know keeps kind of getting thrown around and has been in the past, oh, we're going to stop at this number, this number, but it, it was interesting to see him say that right after, you know, just a couple of months after he hadn't really made any mention of that at the State of the League address. So from that perspective, it is interesting and a little bit quizzical. But, I, I mean, I'm with you with how you intro this topic, Dominic, is it seems really, really unlikely to me that MLS could look at a $350 million check and say no at some point, right? Like this is their main cash revenue source. Maybe the TV rights deal that's coming up will impact that as well.
2: But I mean but but is, it, right is it, it a little bit from
4: expansion of so,
2: lost trust in the process. Point, yeah, they're gonna
4: have so, to I mean is that kind
2: of is that in, kind of fair, fair I to I say like here, here we are, we're playing I by the rules, so we've given what they've asked for.
4: But uh what we lost was we lost some of the like momentum of I'm not sure that I Oh here here we're gonna leak leak a little bit of this information and now we're gonna leak that information and now we're gonna leak this information. Like we just basically put it on the table and said here's
2: everything lap for we're ready, let's go. Like like uh you know Samson never saying, LFG, right? Let's go here. And instead we get passed up again.
4: Well do do we know that this is this is part a genuine question and part rhetorical. Do we know the actual status the Phoenix Rising's bid? Like do we know that they have all the pieces in place that the MLS wants? I don't I don't I personally, I don't think that... Enough of the information has come out. Oh, uh, I, I think I think that that's totally about fair. How, it's about about just like we talk. Phoenix talk Phoenix Phoenix Phoenix. Is, you hear okay? Well, we, we need, need a billionaire owner. Okay, well, uh, so we got one. Uh, 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 you know? Oh, well, so we, we know, really we need, need stadium rings. All right, here's some stadium rings. You know? And yeah, I know. I mean, I deal
2: with business stuff all the time. And there's little contractual sort of little pieces of the uh that we'll we'll never know about. But it's like the public
4: stuff in that question, and I could totally be. So let's just say we're able to have an attendance
2: of our professional team in excess of, I don't know, 750 people per game, unlike Charlotte. Um, you know, so when you see the, the public stuff and what's out right. there, these are legitimate concerns. Nashville, they they sold maybe 5,000 season tickets for their season. You have Charlotte that had virtually no support of their own USL side. And and uh, then you have us, where we have these crazy ass fans, crazy ass fan media. Um, I just picked up a new photographer for, for uh, Firebird Soccer. Like you know, we're nuts out here, and we dig it. And when I don't feel like it's reciprocated in those other those other places, uh, it just drives me nuts.
4: And that and that argument, I'm much more here for. I'm here for wondering why Nashville is in MLS from a environment and from a support and from a soccer standpoint I'm all for that the business side is a completely different matter but I think you can it's absolutely fair and justified especially for phoenix fans to look at charlotte and nashville specifically as is sort of you know why are they in right now why are they first in line just looking at all the on field in stadium aspects, so that part I'm totally, I totally understand. Uh Wondering why these markets. have So been that in my head, that my leads the to a question. At the end of the tile, day, yeah, yeah, yeah that leads me to a question and for part, part of it is where is, do we go from it's here, brother? Right? Who you know, and it's like, like, like what do what we do? Back to the do we, we back do the status we of these? digging a hole? It's, it's a really in terms of stadium. Where do we go? To be frustrated with this, with how this process has gone down. Um Will Phoenix ever make it into MLS? I I don't know. I think for me. Probably leaning towards yes a number of years down the line, but obviously a lot can change. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation right now for sure.
1: And Kyle, we haven't heard your thoughts yet.
0: I mean, I, guess.
3: <laughs> I mean, it, it really depends on you know. On whether you're pro, or, you know, con MLS and, and how you look at things. If you're trying to establish this bid, uh, I, I say it jokingly, but when you look, you know, at three of the four franchises that were awarded, you get affiliated with an NFL owner because obviously Don Garber wants to be another Atlanta United and thinks that, you know, Charlotte and Nashville can make that happen. Um, it, it's It's going to be so interesting to see, you know, how Phoenix is able to do it. The only thing I could see is, you know, maybe if they further progress on this stadium, but it's still, from what we've seen, uh, no matter what it is, as long as it's, you know, open and doesn't have air conditioning, MLS will not be for it in the valley. They seem to not understand the way that engineering works out here. Being in the construction industry, I'm fully aware that there are ways to mitigate the heat. Um, but I I really, you know, from my perspective, it's almost do you really want to be a part of this soul-sucking group that is going to come in and, you know, destroy this grassroots movement that we've built here in Phoenix. Um, I think, you know, in the future, MLS maybe will get shaken out. We won't see some of the issues that we have where, you know, clubs like Orlando City are just falling apart right now. And a second exit out of the uh, parking lot. They rebranded, but all they have is a logo and a stadium, no DPs even. It's really interesting how MLS operates. It's very different from any other league both here in the U.S. and abroad. So really, it's, you know, I don't know. All I want is, you know, some bathrooms and uh, not to drive in the dirt every week. <laughs> Indoor plumbing, that's all I ask. Just a humble request, right? <laughs> so, you know... Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice, too. No, it, it's... I really... I'm so happy with where we're at that I, I mean, I don't, I don't see us maybe in the next year when we come in in 2023, but um, I mean, really it's, it's one of those things that Don Garber's just, you know, just playing with us with that dollar bill saying we're almost going to get it like that guy from the Geico commercial. And, and I I don't know, at this point I have so much heartburn about it that I love, you know, what we've built and the group that we have already that I, I don't really need the glitz and the glamour of, uh, of MLS to be happy with what I have. And I
1: think all that's fair. I think the more interesting question is, all right, most people think that MLS is going to go past 30 teams, even though Garber is saying right now it's going to stay at 30 teams. But you're
3: looking at places like,
1: like Nashville in particular because – I know that the uh the gut reaction is to just hate on Charlotte, but it actually looks like Dave Tepper is trying to build something bigger in Charlotte. Um and a lot of cities I think this is a point that matters too. Second division following doesn't necessarily directly correlate to how it goes at the MLS level. Atlanta, the switchbacks they or the Silverbacks excuse me, they did not have many fans when they were in second division, third division. But once they got that MLS franchise, they kind of built a grassroots movement, and it really took off there, and now they're one of the premier franchises for MLS. And so I think that Charlotte is trying to do. They're definitely trying to get a soccer-specific stadium, um, or at least a uh, a new soccer-slash-football stadium in the next 10 years. I know that's part of Dave Peppers' plan. And I think that that's, that's kind of a good way to go about it. Um, The problem with Phoenix is it feels like we are being penalized for, you know, having our NFL stadium away from downtown and really, like, just the timing didn't work out for our stadiums. Like, we built a lot of new stadiums in the 90s. We built the NFL one in 2004. And so where would we build a soccer-specific stadium? Maybe on our plot of land that we have now. But all that information is out of the public eye, and so what? What's frustrating is you see a place like Las Vegas; they already have their shiny new stadium, and it's domed. So that that fulfills Don Garber's request right there. Say Las Vegas gets 31. What if some mystery city comes up and takes 32? That's what I'm concerned about because I could see it. I could more realistically see them stopping at 32 at least for another five years or so. Um, And if we don't get in at 32, then I think Phoenix needs to start looking at other options. Not that there's anything wrong with U.S. Championship, but we have to start looking at, are we going to do a soccer-specific stadium for that MLS, or are we going to, I mean, I know this sounds very tinfoil, but consider the possibility of Liga MX. It seems
3: yeah. to be a lot of action. Do it. Do it.
2: <laughs> I just don't you see know, it happening. I mean it's there's too many moving parts. But you know, let, let' let's stick with the MLS a little bit. And let's just uh real quick go around the table.
3: I mean on a one to ten, one being terrible and ten being amazing. I think how do you feel about the Chicago Fire slogan? Phoenix. We bring in El Paso as well, and maybe a San Diego team. And, uh, I don't know. I just,
2: I just, you know, we just haven't bagged on teams in about ten minutes, and I just feel like Chicago needs to be bagged on for this totally ridiculous rebrand that they have. So fucking terrible. But <laughs> uh,
1: what does it do with anything? <laughs> Yeah, it no is no one's it's... gonna argue that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I really I mean, I I don't know. Um I mean, for, for my money, if I were them and I was going to go... All I right, so you, now you
2: actually know where I was we really going with it. Uh, with, because, I, with, you, you know, know comparing and the and two and of those those responses back day to day each other, that's really what I what I wanted to talk <laughs> about. And <laughs> I don't know. And, and it's one one just, you know, is, is, you
1: it's know, really
2: interesting to see.
1: I did not like
2: the Louisville City's three brands. But it wasn't horrible. Chicago Fire's was horrendous. It's awful. It is the worst. I don't know anybody that could have done worse. And after looking at Louisville, I, I would have given it like a 4 out of 10. Like it was kind of acceptable. Uh, but it's really interesting to see the backlash both in city as well as throughout the rest of USL, you know, guys like me or, or Harry or anybody else who was bagging on it. And that it actually affected them to go back and look look back at it really, really shows quality on behalf of their ownership. Um, Dom, you don't tend to get too involved in, in stuff like this, but what, what were you thinking? I mean, it's
1: it's a crap. Now you're talking the Blau language. Two. Now you're talking <laughs> the Blau language. I dig it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of all I got to say there. Um, driving this back to MLS talk a little bit, though, any, do you think it's possible that, that uh, Colorado Rapids would relocate to Phoenix? Because that's – now that there's already a precedent for a team relocating, they don't really have a new stadium, and the attendance there is terrible.
4: I I think yeah, – yeah, I, I I
3: could
4: that see –
1: That seems basically
4: as – as impossible as the league MX next thing? Well, but, I mean, so here's the thing. That That's what I was pushing really hard yeah, to be able to say well, say. well, the
2: valuation sucks. Issue, right? The valuation so is lower than is the $325 million right? buy-in. So Why don't we, we, do we make use? an offer and see what All they do?
4: That drama the problem is is that the hockey sports uh, uh, that owns, thing, they they owns same. the same. Rapids, I, I um, owns the rings, part of that. they own the Nuggets, they own the Avs, the Avalanche, the Rapids, the Colorado
2: Mammoth, who is a – that's a okay, that's another team. thing I saw online. They own Arsenal an that's Arsenal and Arsenal women's team. They own the Los Angeles Gladiators, which is a um, a hockey team in the uh, – wait, what are they? I don't even know what – oh, it's the eSports team. I mean, they own all of these teams on all different levels of – in all different levels of professional sports. So do they really care if yeah. the Rapids aren't doing that great, if the Avs are doing fine or if the Nuts are doing fine? I don't think that – They care enough about the team to sell it. I guess I would
4: say. And and on top of that, Aaron, I think the Rapids are actually going to be a lot better this season. Like, I think the Rapids are on an upward trajectory. So the idea for Phoenix or, or any potential MLS expansion market of bringing in another franchise that's already been established and, and having that be the way into the league is, is an interesting one. But the Rapids specifically as an example, kind of why I pooed it the first time is because I think they're really going to see an uptick over the next year or two, three years. Um, so I think it's going to be difficult to have that be a realistic option, you know?
1: I mean, uh, you can always say the counterpoint is the Sonics moving to Oklahoma City in basketball right after they drafted KD, but, and then getting good right away, but. I think I think the realistic thing is you have to hope that Phoenix gets its bid. I guess, I guess here's a better question. What's your panic level about this whole situation? Because right now I'm not super panicked because so far, like Joe has been saying, Phoenix and Las Vegas are the two cities with the active bids that are expected to be the next two if MLS looks to expand. But I'm concerned that if we don't get one of those next two bids, then what happens? And I would probably say Vegas is ahead of us as far as getting 31 because they already have their shiny new dome stadium. And unless stuff is happening behind closed doors, we're still years from that.
3: Yeah. and I Really, you know – For me, I think that's one thing that has been hurting us has been the secrecy behind our bid and, you know, people not really being aware of the situation. It's kind of made it so it's not as much of a talking point here in the Valley. Um, You know, if if there was something going on and we were bidding for public funds, I think a lot more people would at least have an opinion on it, whereas right now there isn't even that. And that, I think, is one thing that, you know, is is hurting us as well. Um, I I mean, there's, you know, a whole group of things that I think, you know, are working against us and are also working for us. But I'm with you, Dom. I really do think Vegas might is ahead of us right now with the new stadium. And just, I mean, it's Las Vegas. I'm with you. I, I destination agree. The nation of the, of the you know, whole country. And I, I really could see, you know, MLS wanting to go there. They could hold their all-star game there every year. Um, there's a lot of things that I think Don Garber does like about Vegas. And, you know, all of them are green and, and have dollar signs on them.
2: I think, I think uh, my biggest issue with it at this point is that it you. prevents – we're at the point where this discussion 10, is retarding the organic growth of a Division two team because you have people who are waiting for that answer, right? We can't have yeah, a just soccer-specific stadium until we know if we're in or we're out. We enough. can't get, whether it's an 8,000-seat uh, stadium with moderate out. amounts of amenities or a 28,000-person stadium that's state-of-the-art. We can't get either of the two until somebody gives us an honest answer about what's going on and what we can expect. We can't get plumbing. We can't get bathrooms. We can't get, uh, you know, we can't get any of that or assurances of any of it, until we know the answer of where we stand. And we can't do it better unless we have a soccer-specific stadium. People are going to get tired of the dust. They're going to get tired of one exit. They're going to get tired of poor bodies. People's wives are going to say, I'm done, I'm not going back, unless I can go in a bathroom that doesn't make me disgusting. Uh, That is going to prevent the growth of our team. So, honesty—that's what we need, and that's what's giving me my level of anxiety regarding to the, to growth—is that we we just we can't grow the game unless we know where we stand.
4: Yeah, I'm, yeah, you, that's, that's I mean, a great point. Yeah,
3: yeah, all those things. I mean, I, my girlfriend—you know—that's always been her biggest problem is, is those porta potties and how you know late in the season. Um, I mean, they're disgusting. There's no, there's no doubt. Of, I wouldn't want to be using them if I wasn't standing. So, I mean, there are a lot of things. that It's a catch-22. You can't have one without the other. And and right now we're in limbo. Um, and like you said, I think it has, you know, stunted our, our ability to move farther and to grow this movement. Because um, I know I've, I've people come out that, yeah, they would liked it, but if we could improve upon the things that we've mentioned, and, you know, some of them are just those Euro snobs and they want to see first division regardless of the product and, and you know, everything that comes with it, it it's – it's very difficult because I mean we all have invested so much of our time dollars as well into this club and to to you know see us just kind of be floating here not knowing uh where we're going to go up or down it's it is you know puts you, but also I think ultimately this ownership group is going to do what's best for Phoenix um it just sucks that they have to do it you know in the dark
1: yeah and I think with with everything being in limbo, the idea of having like a seventeen thousand seat soccer specific stadium that could work for USL or MLS, we can't really move forward with plans like that. We can't really move forward with something like what Louisville is doing but on a bigger yep. scale because we're in limbo.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say is you know, Louisville they've they've you know, the prime example um, of how you can, you know, do it in the second division, but right now, you know, we still have our eyes set on the first division and, like we said, I think that's, you know, what has led to, to this predicament.
1: All right, any final thoughts on this episode? Joe, we really appreciate having you on and uh, it'll probably be a few more weeks before we record again uh, with some more signing news and getting ready for preseason, but Final thoughts before we go.
4: Yeah, no, first of all, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. I love I love getting the chance to talk about Phoenix Rising, so it's it's always great to hop on with you fellas. As far as final thoughts, I think uh, I just look back to the roster and the way it's constructed. I think the talent that Phoenix are bringing in is really exciting and the, the level of attacking quality especially um, is going to be really, really interesting to watch how that shakes out in preseason in terms of, you know, who captures number one spots, how the rotations go as the season progresses. All of those things are really interesting to me. So, yeah, just to close, I'm really happy to be on, and I'm much looking forward to how the season is going to play out, especially in terms of those attacking players. Who
1: wants to go next?
3: I can go. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, great to be here with you guys. Great to to be able to, you know, talk about everything we've been going on. I, I definitely needed to vent as far as MLS is is going but um no i mean it's so great this team i'm, I'm honestly i think i'm more excited now than i was at this time yeah and i, and I appreciate I the
2: chance to, to the event. just yeah because I, because I appreciate the, the chance to vent a little bit here too back um it's, been, been, a back um, it's been, been a little while i've been kind fun of fun on fun. fire on twitter um, with special uh, special guys from independent really you know i'm I
3: can get out promoting independent clubs is calling our us also teams you know, great. not
2: really uh, teams Friday. and clubs, not really clubs great. Great. and blah, blah, blah. The uh, but actually got there's have a, have a good lot of great stuff, stuff going on and in and Valley and Soccer. Uh, definitely Happy keep an Happy eye out Holidays. on Twitter. Firebird yeah. Soccer, we're we'll trying to try get as much out as we can. Just uh, had a so. neat little futsal game, uh, futsal match between uh, the local Brazos club and Sporting Arizona. Sporting Arizona came out on top on that. There's a lot of club soccer that's going on as well. Uh, in in uh, the ramp up, uh, the high school soccer is going on, so there is no dearth of uh, of footy being played in the valley here. It's just a matter of just keeping an eye out so that you can make sure that you can participate uh, ahead of the the uh, preseason matches starting in February, which hopefully they will be hitting uh, because I believe uh, Joe that there is a MLS. Um, uh, union contract that still has to be completed before players can hit the pitch is that right
4: I believe so. Yeah, the whole CBA negotiations are. Yeah, and I'm not sure if sure the USLPA, the USL, CBA, CBA uh, uh, the uh, USL
2: Players Association, how that is, is, is asking for a contract before this season either. I look like. but, I you know, can't I mean, imagine otherwise so that we will we, we would have heard something else. But, but uh, pre-season uh, pre-season uh, certainly a lot of school? talk going on uh, about the Athletic and their treatment of players ahead of this upcoming season to try and get some sort of minimum standard amongst the USL squads. Even as so, there's still a lot of interesting things going on in. Media season, because and I uh, appreciate the chance to be able to chat about what's uh, uh, what's yeah, going on here in Phoenix.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, my final thoughts, and actually this isn't even a final thought, but something that we didn't mention in the episode. Um, I think that would be fantastic and I appreciate that I wasn't the one to bring up the FC Arizona change first. <laughs> uh, Taylor is gone. Some people still hold grudges because of how things went in the past. Um, some people are willing to Move forward with them, and now they're just a neutral club. They are making the U- U.S. Open Cup. Um, so they could. And now everybody should be able to get any FCRs on the news off of Twitter uh, and Facebook because
2: anybody who was blocked by the previous administration, now you should be able to, to uh, participate. So don't grab the new owners too bad yet um, in, in, until we can figure out where they stand on the things. <laughs>
1: Just uh just had to just had to bring it out there. I saw that out there and oh, just the thought of an S C Arizona Phoenix rising match in the open cup would be great. Hundred <laughs> percent.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no reason to make make an enemy out of them when Happy uh, Hanukkah to all my uh, my Jewish brothers and no, sisters it's out it's there, great, and I, I hope everybody not, else you know, has so a really great nice holiday season. game in this beautiful state.
1: Well, unless anyone has anything else to add, um, Happy Holidays! I hope you guys are enjoying this season, um, and really, we're just looking forward to the actual season starting. You can't come through
2: Alright, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah. Good on, good on time. Really good episode, guys.
3: Alright.
1: Alright, take care, guys. There's always rising and watching. Enjoy the upload. Yep.
0: Podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising's One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items Just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL.